I can't wait to keep this conversation going with you, Mario. I have a million and one questions. I know you also in the first half you mentioned uh, chomping at the bit. That's Bill's nickname. That's what we call him. <laughs> you can tell he's always chomping at the bit. He's waiting to get in. So let's just pick up where we left off. But when we do, I want to go back to a story that we were covering in the first hour. And that's the one about the... Um, the basketball ref. I'm a, I'm a big oh. sports fan. This that story fascinated me. I didn't know that. You, uh, now I found out, obviously that. Um, so how did this? How do you, how do you get that information? I mean, obviously it's a source. Yeah, I wouldn't say where I got it. But no, we, I'm not we, expecting we, you, you know, to do that. No, really. Well, can, who told you? Can, <laughs> <laughs> Phil Scala. So in your line Phil of business, Phil Scala was the head of the Gambino school uh, for the FBI. In your line so of business, is the, uh, do you guys use the word rat a lot? Because then you can rat somebody out in your line of business. Like, you don't want to... If I give you information, I'm like, Murray, listen, this is just between me and you. And you go and tell people that. No, I wouldn't do that. You can't. No. You destroy your whole reputation. If it was between me and you, it's between me and you. That's, okay. That's the end of that. So you got this Pretty little much. bit of information. Was it a, a phone call? Somebody meets you like in a... a do they leave a package? You ever get that thing where they leave a like a package taped to the thing and they go and they, they mark it with a red X? So you know that's like is that see people leaving your information that way? I don't think that's happened to me yet. No, no, not yet. I don't think so. I saw that in the no, movies. I don't think. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, it's the movies. You know. So you got your uh, this got bit of information. Deep, the deep throat. Right? Are you like fascinated <laughs> to, to do some story like this? Did this story because you obviously almost forgot about it when you almost went on vacation? Yeah. Um, but is this something a story that would interest you? That story? Yeah. Oh yeah. The is truth it? is, I wasn't really. I'm not really a big basketball fan. Come and, on, man. And I've you, had some huge like stories. Pray, bro, <laughs> yeah. what are you like? Five, four? Yeah. Well, on your shoulders, <laughs> I can dunk. <laughs> He's Red Allback. He's all right. So, so you weren't. Uh, tell us. Um. Uh, anyway, but the, the, when I when I did that story, when I when I when I confirmed the story, and that I could write a story that actually says in, that the FBI is investigating a referee for gambling on games mm -hmm. and potentially fixing them, and I told that to the editor of the newspaper, and I said that. Uh, that they're gonna, they might ask us to uh, hold a story. It might endanger lives, and then they called up. Who's they? Said, the FBI. The FBI. Okay. And he said, "Well, what do you think we should do?" I said, uh, "I said, well, uh, if they actually, if they're gonna ask us that, you should wait to get a call from somebody like high up in Washington. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't wait for somebody in New York to tell you that." Mm -hmm. And uh, I said, "Maybe you can give them one day, two max, wow. to." Uh, the Hold FBI the can protect somebody if they want to protect mm -hmm. them. Right. And they should have them protected already if they need it. And I said, and then, you know, why you, you give them a day or two. And why do you get this source, this, this information me? on this big breaking you know, story as opposed to... It came, it came to me at the paper. He pays uh, the bar bills at a no, no, I'll be honest with you. I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to yeah. tell you the truth. There are people on the other side of this story who think that the NBA leaked it to kill the investigation. That's whoa, been conjecture. Whoa, whoa. To kill the investigation? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, so it doesn't go further. Right. Because if we let right. it out of the bag right. now, we're not going to be, right. we got the if, our main if guy. You, if you had here attorneys or some investigators who work for Tim Donahue, they will tell, they, they, their feeling is that this was done to end the investigation. Mm -hmm. that the new, you know, One that, bad apple. That Yeah. As that, opposed to continue. As opposed to the FBI is going to now wire them up and start doing more work. This is and, why I love and, doing and, this, and, and truthfully, the... the uh, I remember when I when I was about to publish the story, somebody who had dealings with the uh, the commissioner of uh, the NBA told me that I who should was be, who at the time. Um, um, I didn't mean to ask you such a tough Sorry, question. I think, he, I think he just he died. Was forever the guy, right? He just didn't he just die? David Stern. Yeah, he just David died. David Stern. Right, okay, right. right. Yeah. Um, somebody who dealt with him a lot in in another field that knew him said to me, "You better be very careful because if you stumble." These people will destroy you. They will do he they they will do anything to protect the NBA and they'll do anything to protect the commissioner's office. And you're I'm just giving you a heads up, Murray. Right. That, that uh, any 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 any, any mistake you make in covering this story, day one, day two, day three, um, they'll destroy you if they if they can. So uh, yeah, I mean, I'm still here. Yeah, it's it's that's interesting good. the fact that it was one NBA ref that was doing this. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it, obviously, it's interesting, and it makes sense well, that the, we want to like let's just kill it. Get, we'll give this guy up, and everybody. Well, the gentleman I referenced, Phil Scala, who ran a Gambino squad for the uh, bureau, you know, he was prepared to 
get him to, I think, wear a wire. You know, he was going. So was then gonna, there was more, more. There were more people involved then. Well, I'm not saying there were more people involved, but I'm saying that uh, that if you were the if you, it's a decent theory, if you're the NBA, would you well, want? Well, if they're going to wire up the this FBI dirty is, referee, yeah, there's other dirty people. You would want the people. FBI to stop investigating yeah. your. Uh, there's a possibility you? that there's a. Yeah. I mean. Oh, okay, that's uh, to me. That's fascinating. Yeah. It's an okay. interesting dynamic. Oh my God! So, so how are your Nick tickets these days? <laughs> I don't want tickets. To uh, well, you know, I'm that's not a mass thing too. I mean, we were always talking about. Um, but that was a huge story. I can't tell you how big a story that was, and I've had some big oh, stories. I, I got calls from from drive time radio in Honolulu because to come on the show. If you're a sports fan, <laughs> you always have that argument. It's got to be fixed. How is that possible? Yeah. You know what I'm and saying? Like, how did they come down from so many points? How did they do that? Mm-hmm. You know, there's always like that. Uh, you always think it's fixed, and then when you when you hear a story like that, you're like, oh, man, you see, I knew it. It, it feeds into a lot. I don't of think that. we really want it to be fixed, but I think deep down inside, we always wonder, you know, because of those things. Well, I think what that story exposed with the NBA is that the the relationships between the referees and the ball players was too cozy, that they hung oh, out yeah, too yeah, much, yeah, buddies, yeah. yeah, and that yeah. the refs could actually gamble and casinos and stuff. So. What, what what that fundamentally showed, maybe if you want to say it's not fixed, but if I'm a friend of yours and I don't like you and I'm refereeing your game, you know, I'll skew maybe subconsciously even mm-hmm. in your direction. So I think they changed some of the... Uh, I mean, that's got to be a really tough patterns. thing for a referee to fix a basketball game. I mean, make certain calls. I mean, but he's got to be nervous the whole time. What's yeah. the point spread in the basketball mm-hmm. game? Three points, five points, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. It's oh usually a small point spread. Yeah, but that was a yeah, that was a that was a big one. And I want to cover that of that um, a fake news thing I talked to you about before because you know that's a that's a word that's being thrown out. How does it affect you as a reporter? Does it bother you? Does it hurt you? Oh, I think it's a very it's a very important topic actually. Um, one, obviously, no journalist should ever print anything that's not uh, as far as they they know is a thousand percent accurate. That's no. number one, but the, the the flip side of the fake news concept is um, it it as a concept um, undermines people having faith in what's being reported, and that could be well, that's, actually that's, more yeah. insidious and more dangerous in the long form. If 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 somebody like myself, like, uh, I can't talk about other people, but if I spend years writing stories in New York City, mm-hmm. right, covering big stories. This is a big city, it's the biggest city in this country. Mm-hmm. So there's, by definition, these stories are national stories. And people open a newspaper mm-hmm. or DNA Info when I worked there and now it's CBS News, and they, they want to trust Murray Weiss. Mm-hmm. They read him day in, day out. And if somebody can just wave a wand and say, oh, that's fake news, mm-hmm. don't trust Murray anymore. Right. That's a, but how know, about entire entities? The, like the Daily News now is known as the liberal paper. The Post is known as more conservative. The New York Times is known as a liberal paper. Yeah. I mean, there's there's truth to that. There's well, real I'd say, truth I'd say to in it. today's era, you know, uh, the expansion of news in general went from newspapers, then they, then became a lot more television news, then a lot more cable news, right. and even the cable news channels. It's clear what side of the fence they're on. You know, if you mm-hmm. want. You know, conservative-oriented news. You're with Fox. If you're, if your MSNBC is, you know, completely on the liberal, liberal left CNN side of stuff. Also. So it's getting even further fractured from, um, you know, ha- you don't. You, sometimes you turn on those channels. I don't understand it myself as a journalist. Uh, why MSNBC doesn't have people who are conservative thinkers even. Talking at the same well, they, time. They, they tend this, to sort of do like Fox it, News has. Fox is starting to go have more Democratic. They're people. having Democratic people Actually, on there. Which I is think CNN includes a, maybe a, a conservative or two. Um, it's a 24-hour cycle, so it behooves you to at least the get somebody that high. you can beat up. Unless on the other side, just for your panels. The dialogue is very one-sided. Is, like, on when when you're one of these reporters that are on these new type of networks. Um, are you are you really accepting stories, or are you looking for stories to fit your narrative? That's the question. A, B, C, D, E, all the above. Depends on the person. I think... Um, I think it's, it's a shame, man. It bothers me. It I, sort of I impacts the truth, too. But then it makes right? you look back, because oh, oh. you wonder to yourself, you know what? Is it really something new, or are we more just blatantly aware of it now? Is it just right in our face? Because... 
Look at it. It's, it's, you could go back and say it started under Obama with Fox, that they were uh, attacking him constantly on a, a daily basis. Was that the beginning of it? Because then you could go back to uh, nobody liked Ronald Reagan either. You know, when he was elected, he was getting bashed a lot by, by uh, what's called the liberal side. You know, if you just go, but are you how how much are you paying attention to it? I was a younger man then; I didn't really pay attention well, to it. Well, when much. I worked, you know, when I worked in the in the newspaper business, the, there was a there was a line between the editorial opinion of the paper, to a large degree, and the news gathering. I don't think there's a line now, right? No, there's, those lines are are blurred, if in some cases gone, and um, there's a, there's another little change that's kind of interesting. That the reporters, you know, in the in the world of social media, they're all they're all branded themselves, mm. you know. So as a place to come and get news or mm -hmm. opinion, they slip their opinions into Twitter, um, or, and or they share stories, not always their own stories, which I find kind of interesting because mm -hmm. I spent so many years competing against people. And I was always looking for a story. And the mm -hmm. story was never about me in my mind. Mm -hmm. It's like, hey, I'm going to get a story that's going to be on the front page tomorrow. I would never. I found sensational stories. I didn't make sensational mm -hmm. stories. But isn't Don't that one wrong. of the first rules of a journalist is not to make yourself part of the yeah, story? Yeah, I, 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 was, I was very, uh, I was assiduous about it, to be honest with you. And I thought people would come to trust me one day at a time and they get to know me. But in today's world... Uh, reporters, all their pictures are there, which right. was a coveted yeah, sure. thing to get in a newspaper to have mm -hmm. a picture with a story. Yeah. But in any event, they share their c competitors' stories. Like, come to me and read somebody else's story. Mm -hmm. You see, and that's an interesting phenomenon for me. In that, I would have, I I'd cut my arm off before I promoted somebody else's sure, story. Sure. That's yeah, it's almost like um, Breitbart News is uh, covering a story that was written by the Washington it's, it's, Post. It's, it's like they're all mini they're all mini aggregators. And and for me as a journalist, it's like I spent my time looking for stories. Mm -hmm. And if if you're looking to promote yourself or aggregate other people's stories, some of it is for honest sharing of information, like hey, somebody has a good story and it's important for somebody to know this about a senator or a president or or what Congress is doing, or what laws are being passed. That's important. So a journalist can say, well, I'm sharing something that I think the public should see mm -hmm. through my own Twitter feed or my own social right. media feed, and that's fine. But on the flip side, I sometimes scratch my head and say, you know, you should be spending your time looking for stories sure. and working to get more mm -hmm. truth out there. So, the world has changed. Though. Yeah, completely. You know, yeah, the way thoroughly. news is delivered. Thoroughly. You know, people, Instagram, Twitter, you know, this. It's a, it's a, it's an interesting thing. I, I had the, a couple of experiences through stand-up, like being part of a panel once for, on Comedy Central for um, <clears throat> a poor girl who died in police custody. Well, she was actually in the custody of corrections at the time, but she got pulled over. Remember, she was traveling yeah, and case, um, yeah. moving to a new state to start her life again. Bland, um, Sarah Bland? No, was it? It was, it was, I don't think it was Sarah, but the last name was Bland. Anywho, so, you know, uh, you're sitting on a, parent, uh, a panel there, and obviously, you know, for this type of show, you're working with writers, but on the break and before and after, you're, you're you know, we're normal people. Do you know what I'm saying? Sure. We're talking to each other. What would you think of that? Or, do you drink this? And then once the thing starts, well, that's my arch enemy because that's the, Taking that's the, the other opposite side of, of the me coin, on yes. the show here. So there's a lot of that going on, you know what I'm saying? As opposed to, uh, it's it's not even, it's just pitting these panels. They put two people together, two different personalities. Let's see who can scream each other at, at each other the most. Or mm. what, uh, Well, very often these shows have people, of they all have the same opinion. Yes. And they keep talking about the same. It's usually right. one person that on they can beat up on, on, though. Yeah, they usually set up a person there, and it's up to that <laughs> oh, person. Yeah. You know, like if you like, for example, look at the View. The View has the the McCain. Do we girl. have to look at it? No, we don't. Have, I mean, I. <laughs> okay, make, but yeah, you got the McCain girl there, so she's supposed to be the other one. Conservative they, they, one. She, yeah. Every once in a while, they 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 can't handle it anymore because the other girls are beating them up, so they leave and then they put a new one in there. Um, the other the before. One was, I think it was the one from Survivor. She was on Survivor, that girl. Anyway, right. but um, 
my point is that, you know, there's always going to be that one person that, you know, they let in for the other opinion for a second so the whole audience can go, boo, <laughs> boo. Well, it, makes for, it makes for ratings. Yeah. Like, okay, so obviously that's not journalism at all. But then where it starts that's a talk getting... talk show. Yeah, but show. but they get started. They get they get blurry as you you keep going because now all of a sudden it's these they're having these panels on new, news networks as mm -hmm. well, like you know, and they're coming in from all different satellites. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And uh, so that's where the line gets really bl blurry. And uh, that yeah, I think um, yeah, it's tough. I well, think, even I think CBS do does a great job by comparison to some of that. But even when they do fact checking, it's like two different. Uh, organizations can do fact-checking and come up with two different two sets different of numbers. facts. Yeah, like, wow, yeah, because is this it depends possible? on what you're looking at. Well, you know what I'm saying? Is it, is it well, what, there should only be one fact, right? Well, that's, yeah, I agree. Yeah. But the fact that we live in a time where public officials, you know, re require that kind of fact-checking yes, yeah. is sort of... Well, statistics lie. We all know what people use. They're the self-serving. The statistics don't. The liars well, right, the liars use statistics right, to lie. Well, it's also, yes, too, yes. it was... Uh, uh, we they uh, imagine politicians in the past used to embellish, yeah, and now they straight up lie because, or they were getting to a point where they were straight up lying, and now we we had to develop the fact checker. That the fact checker came out of a necessity. Mm. Somebody to actually sit there and go, wait a minute, I know for a fact that's a lie. Let me look it up. Okay, yeah. that, you know, because otherwise you're preaching to the people that well, they that's don't. The fake nobody, nobody has the time to consume so much, mm. and with what's going on in in, in Washington, it's a it's a soap opera. Mm -hmm. It really is. A, you got to pay attention every day. Not only every day, but things could change in an hour, in fifteen minutes. Well, we do have a president who like spent well, what, fifteen years on TV. Yeah, he tweets yeah. a lot. Yeah. I mean, oh, he's talk about developed it. some skill sets that other guys that, don't have. That actually. State of the Union address was that was one of the best TV shows I've ever seen there in my life. Go. They had a kid that was born under twelve, uh, under a pound. <laughs> now she's two. They give a little black girl any school of her choice that she wanted. They they the guy who was promoted to brigadier, brigadier years general, old. Yeah. But, um, I didn't know he was still working. <laughs> Rush Limbaugh got a medal. Um, they brought a soldier back from Afghanistan yeah. to be. It was like so he it hit was every like, uh, you know major emotion, right? Any better? It's like and then and then to top it all off, Nancy Pelosi rips the. Uh, she played the, right the, into it. It was like perfect TV yeah, it drama, was perfect, you're right. and that's like you know it's almost like in a way like uh, that's what we want in our news, like this make believe thing, you know. Uh, I'm not gonna disagree with. How you. How do we get it back to that like point movies. where we get to like? You know, we're going to bring back Walter Cronkite. I don't think so, right? Well, we could be. <laughs> Nora O'Donnell wouldn't be happy. No, no. Well, maybe she wouldn't be. <laughs> let's talk about or investigative journal uh, journalism yeah. and 48 Hours. Tell us about how you got involved with that show. 48 Hours, um, I, um, they, the, I did a few television shows with them. There were some, you know... Uh, they use you as a, a reporter on the shows? Yeah, well, you know, the, the, it's a show that features a murder case, and they mm -hmm. do a very deep emotional dive into it. Um, and ha as somebody who covered murder in New York, mm -hmm. there were some really great cases that they uh, could do here in New York. You know why they um, call it 48 Hours? Because it takes you 48 hours to watch it. they got to show you the whole commercial nah. after every single break. It's like, nah, dude, nah, I'm nah, with nah. you. I've been watching it. Nah. Can you just, did this guy really push his wife off the cliff or not? Nah, Tell me now. That show is so good. It passes by yeah. when you watch it I'm like kidding. it's 48 I was, I seconds. I watch it all That's the time. I love the show. <laughs> but you know what? They they're always they do have a habit of showing you a lot of the sh what you just missed on the mm -hmm. past commercial break. No, no, no. You're, you're, you're confusing 48 Hours with some other competitor uh, shows. Okay. You know, but one of the things about the, a lot of these shows that uh, deal with murder, it seems almost like they're glorifying murder. I, I did some uh, uh, acting on The Perfect Murder, and it's like they recreate homicide oh, cases. Wait, wait, wait. But it seems like That was acting. Yeah, it was a little bit of acting. I said a little acting. I didn't say... But the, the point is, is like... Sorry. It's just like glorifying murder. You, you know? think so? That's yeah, in a way. Take. In a way, yeah. yeah. Interesting take. You know, mur murder It's sells. entertaining. Well, but look at how many shows there are like that, though. You know. Perfect murder, I mean, murder, obviously, yeah. the, the 48 Hours is the best one, but there's a lot of... Sh there's about 100 shows trying to be like that. Yeah. The first 48. Yeah. That's pretty interesting, too. Yeah, there's, there's a million shows that... that Crime and law enforcement are, you know, they're powerful. You know, when I worked, uh, when I covered politics for a while, and people say, well, you know, why did, did you like it? Mm -hmm. Why did you stay with it? And I say, 
Now, politics is like this slow drama thing that, you know, really drags on for Mm -hmm. a long time. And um, politicians aren't, you know, not totally that interesting to me. But if you cover law enforcement and crime, you're talking you're talking fast paced human drama. Yes. um, Action packed life and death stuff. I mean, um, emotion and people who covered politics, actually, to Mm -hmm. a large degree, had a to some a lot of journalists that I saw. The higher the higher the level of politician they covered, the more self-important the journalist felt. Right, and actually, right. you know, a guy at the Times once described uh, political reporters as high-priced stenographers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's pretty know, interesting. President yesterday said this, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. The and also, when a this, politician calls you, it's self-serving a lot of yeah, times. He just wants to sure. get on TV. Or but you know, with all respect to you know, the, the, they do a lot of very difficult work against people who are trying to spin and. And, and misinform the public, so I, I don't want to denigrate them. But if sure. you're on the side of uh, covering the law enforcement stuff, it's extraordinarily hard because by nature, uh, cops don't want to talk to you, as yeah, we mentioned we before. Two, grand juries are secretive. Investigations by mm-hmm. design are supposed to be confidential. So to be a reporter and get information mm-hmm. and, and actually produce stories is, is, is an enormous challenge, actually. But it's a rewarding, very dramatic um, action packed, you know, life, death. And if you get into the investigative end of it, you know, you could really expose wrongs, uh, uh, correct systems that have problems. It, you know, it's an extraordinarily rewarding, actually. When you would see uh, the way homicides are investigated, <coughs> say, in other states, are you baffled with the way they work? Yes. Yeah. As compared to New York? Yeah, sometimes. I'm baffled at how some agencies in New York City don't work like the New York City Police Department with whatever faults people want to uh, hang on the police department. For example, it drives me... For, f- since I started covering news in New York City, mm-hmm. the police department was, quote-unquote, always the agency that needed a federal monitor. Oh, they're out of control. They're this, they're mm-hmm. that. They're horrible. Truth is, they're solving a lot of crimes. They're doing a lot of great work. They have issues. They had issues in the past. You can discuss them. But in any event, lo and behold, what agency wound up with a federal monitor? New York City Housing mm-hmm. Authority. Right. Why? Every, they don't have boilers that work. Right. They don't. They have lead paint issues. Light bulbs aren't replaced. I mean, they should. How they don't comstat. Right, right. The, the, the housing authority. I mean, what sense. is the well, mission? Murray, I always what used to mission? say the most competent agency in the whole city is the police in many department. Ways, yeah. Without question. Why wouldn't they use that format of comstat for every city agency it's, just to? To me, it's they all it, have it's their just, own departments. It's they a basic simple way it. of accountability. Yeah, you know? it's created. It's there. It works. Where's this money go? Imagine well, Murray did that at the Daily News, called all those young reporters. At the end of the day, at the end of the day it's I all about did. the money. Huh? Yeah. But where's the boiler? We're supposed to buy 100 new boilers. Where are they? The winter's coming, and boilers aren't working in New York City Housing Authority building. It's like, what? Yeah, Explain that to me. I mean, so, anyway, so when you see, uh, to your question of, you know, how other agencies and law enforcement around the country, you know, they were all coming around, obviously, mm-hmm. You know, was there a type of case, um, not case, but a type of story that you really performed, uh, really enjoyed, or had a preference to uh, reporting on just because it was a pet peeve of yours? Um, pet peeve is not, not really a well, pet peeve. Well, uh, because some cops, they hate no. double parkers. Other guys hate no, hydrants. Ta- nah. You know what I'm saying? Just, I'm, the, I'm being No. Yeah, I got you. The answer is no. The answer is no. I just, whatever, you know, the things happen. And I'd look at them and say, this is wrong. Mm-hmm. Something's not right here, you know? And uh, I'd start looking into it. I'll give you a quick example. When I was a young reporter at this time, uh, two firemen died in a fire f- up in Harlem. One uh, guy Jerry was, trapped in, right, yeah. was trapped in a fire. Mm-hmm. He got stuck in a really bad fire, and they lowered another fireman down to rescue him. And he jumped on the, the, the fireman's back, and they started hoisting him up. Mm-hmm. And one one of the guys had like six kids. The other one was a uh, frisbee. Was a, yeah. was a uh, bachelor. Was a bachelor. Yeah. Anyway, they were hoisting him up, and the rope snapped, and they plunged into the fire, and they died. And it it there was just something that didn't make sense. It was unsettling. It was it was a huge story. But anyway, I started looking into it, and it turned out a that the ropes they used, the fire department used, once you they, they were they were nylon, and um, they were able to carry a certain weight. But once they were used, they stretched, and they lost yeah. the they lost elasticity the and the strength. Yeah, yeah, they lost the strength capability. Yeah. So as soon as that guy jumped on his back, they were doomed. They were doomed. 
And, and uh, I, I wrote that story and other stories that there was a cover-up about that and another fire and other fires. Mm-hmm. Then I investigated other aspects of, this, of the fire department, mm-hmm. um, mostly that involved safety aspects. and, mm-hmm. and uh, They probably and, didn't and, welcome uh, we you did a, doing no, that we either, did a, right? Well, the, the, it turned the out firemen the, did. The fire, yeah, they did. And the firemen's union did. And, and they, the, the Ed Koch was the mayor. You know, he replaced the guy who orders all the stuff for the fire department. The guy hates you. He freaking ropes. He had problems, <laughs> and, but they, they fired the fire commissioner. Oh, really? They replaced the fire commissioner. Who's that? Who was that, Van No, it was no, he didn't get fired for that. Beekman. He was an African-American guy, no. a nice guy. Um, but uh, Ed Koch replaced him as a result. And he put a little-known or a lesser-known prosecutor in charge of the What'd fire you think department. Of Ed Koch? Joe Hines. Oh, Joe Hines. Became the fire commissioner. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, do you so, remember the... the anyway, uh, that, 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 not pet peeve, but I want to make clear, you know, well, the, the reason ha- why things happen that, and you look into them. Because, you know, you said that. You walked around and, you, you know, sometimes you, something's not right. I want to... Anyway. Correct. Well, Correct. do you remember in the in the Columbus houses they used this paint one time and they uh, it someone set a spark and someone was burnt to a crisp mm. on the eighth floor. Mm. The housing authority was using a paint that was so flammable. Wow. And I don't, I don't know if that, you remember that, that was here. Yeah. Yeah. Another crazy thing because you mentioned the housing authority. Mm. Yeah. There's a lot of blame to go around with. Yeah, uh, I remember when the housing authority was getting really good too, actually, but. Uh, Anyway. Yeah, it's a shame. So uh, I don't think pet peeves, you know. Well, I, um, it was a term that I used, but, the re- you know, it's like uh, I enjoyed, I didn't mind investigating robberies, hmm. you know, because I, I I hate that type of person, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah. maybe if Well, it, you're, that's, law enfor- you know, being in law enforcement, we were talking before the show, I never lost sight of the fact that I, I was a journalist, not in law enforcement. So there were, you guys have power, authority, and things that you can do mm. that we can't do. And also, you know, you... The th- you're you're not looking at necessarily you know bureaucratic systems that fail. You mm-hmm. you know your your job is to find people who are doing wrong or evil yeah. uh, and criminal. You know so. Um, usually, it, I can a, see how you can have a, a passion for getting a certain kind of fails, criminal. There's usually somebody. It's usually stealing. Someone stealing something, or somebody's not doing what they're supposed mm-hmm. to do, which is. Criminal in 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 its own nature, but a different type of crime, you know. Mm-hmm. Maybe even if it's a white collar crime, not getting the money where it needs to go. That's why it fails. So somebody's not they're, they're going to lunch instead of you know typing up that report that the people need the boiler over here right away, and then right. it gets pushed back because they're going on vacation for two weeks for Christmas. It's all you know neglect or whatever. But um, let's talk about you brought up those two detectives. You were involved in that. Uh, you reported on that too. You probably started that investigation. Hippolito and Caracalla, oh, yeah, the, the, the mafia the, cops. The mafia cops. That's you know that's an, in the history of this city. You know when you think about. I had, with all due respect, this is a police-oriented show. But uh, no, with no, all, no, no. I mean, cops going off the rail and being evil, it's, it's When cops are dirty, we're the first ones it's to say, you know, they d- get thing. what they deserve. You know? I'll tell you, I wrote the first story about Louis Eppolito being potentially yeah. corrupt back in uh, uh, in the early 80s, actually. Um, I can't remember if I got a, if I got a tip about him. Somebody, but dropped, I heard, the kite, I somebody heard dropped the kite on him? Yeah, I heard <laughs> I heard about him, and I heard. I think I heard that he 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 might have been involved in an allegation of giving some information to organized crime. And he had. A, he turned out he wrote a book, mafia yes, cop, yeah. and he his family was in fact organized crime. Yeah, he had connected. made guys in his family. He, I yes, guess. yeah, a captain. Yeah, and, but he and, but he was like, well, I'm the good guy, and my other family mm-hmm. is the bad family kind of thing. And speaking about how the, earlier about how the police interact with the. Reporters, mm-hmm. I went uh, and called the head of internal affairs back then and the intelligence division. His name was John Guido. I'll never forget this. And I said, hey, I got, I'm interested in this guy, Louis Apolito. I hear X, Y, and Z. And he says, come on up. Wow. And he, and he, and he, and he, he opens his drawer and he goes, yeah, we're open here. This is post-NAP commission. Wow. I'm talking about wow. an era of we he want to He gave you all open. the information he had on him? He, he confirmed stuff. I don't remember. I don't think I read the I think Apolito worked in the 2-5 as a cop. So you know where, where, yeah, where he Rayos was. was yeah. I think I recall. Did he? Yeah. I know he was mostly when I interacted with him because I did. He was mm-hmm. a detective out in Brooklyn. He was a Brooklyn. He detective. wound up in Manhattan robbery at some point I in his have, career. I have yeah. no doubt. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> so I wrote a story that appeared on the front page of the New York Post. How uh, you know a cop was being investigated for giving info to the mob, and he went to the trial. I'll never forget. This that. was before the book or after? This was before the book. 
oh. before the book. And he still had the nerve to write the book after that. Yeah, because he was cleared. You know how he got cleared? The commissioner of trials. They, they, they found a, uh, a report in Rosario Gambino's New Jersey home. He was a captain in a Gambino crime family, mm -hmm. a big drug dealer. And they found Louis Eppolito's thumbprint on the oh, document, wow. right? But in the trial room, his attorney argued that that document was a Xerox copy. And the Xerox Xeroxed his fingerprint. Oh, wow. That it wasn't his authentic, yeah, which is impossible. <laughs> Unless they use the one in the in the, the, the detective. To me, it's almost impossible. Yeah, of course, but, but somebody these, believed it. The trial commissioner, <laughs> the trial commissioner yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, said, "Yeah, there's reasonable doubt." He cleared him, and Louis in his book wrote uh, how he was. He went into the candy store, and there was the stack of New York Daily News, and the front page was about him. And then he went on to obviously start doing homicides for for the mafia. Yeah, his part, let's Which make his part famous too, Ippolito and Caracappa. They so were was Caracappa. that afterwards? Yeah. Yes. So they started yes. started with the homicide, of, doing homicides for the mob afterwards? Or yes, the after. they were So they, they definitely weren't doing any before. Not, and they weren't ever accused of doing any before. Like uh, this, this incident I'm describing is probably like 1983. Then he published the so, book in 85. So he was like dirty the whole time. I would say so, yeah. But somehow... Yeah. He, really, he, he, he always probably thought that they were untouchable. When did they two, the two of them team up together? Because it sounds like he was an independent on his own, and then later on they found each other. You know, other. that's a good question. I'm not sure when and how they teamed up together. I think, you know, Caracapa worked in a major case squad maybe yeah. at one time. I think that and for some reason I remember they wound up in Manhattan Robbery yeah. as partners together. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. the thing to me is, like, how does a guy who has a made guy in his family get on the job, period? You would think in the investigation they would. Uh, yeah, but it, can you really say that? Because that. you could go you back can. and look at anybody's family and find the criminal in there. Yeah. I don't have any IRA in my family <laughs> <laughs> that I know I, of. Yeah, but IRA in your bank account. Yeah, hopefully. Well, I don't want to say that either, but I'm just saying it's like if, you, if you're talking about somebody who's trying to straighten out their life, like let's just say they happen to be a, a Italian, but take a minority. Yeah, did you, you know what I'm saying? You, you can't say, oh, just because, uh, you know, you can't get on rights. the police support because yeah, all your uncles are. Louis Abelito had rights. So he can get on the job, and he did. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, no, saying, when you go through the investigation, come on the job. Sometimes they nitpick about you know parking summonses, a red light summons, mm -hmm. and this guy's got right. a captain of the Gambino crime family is is related to him. You know, that's maybe it's a, a reason yeah, but that, to disqualify. He you know? railroaded people. He railroaded, I remember sure. doing a, a terrible story. About? Oh, to close cases out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, years later, you fast forward, you know, you fast forward, it's like, well, and you look at what well he did, if you're busy yeah. doing anyway. uh, all that stuff, going out to dinner, um, probably going shopping, new pinky rings, they were probably <laughs> doing everything except for police work, so at some point, you got to close cases out, so you know, you know what, let's just see, what, what can we do, how about we close this one out and figure out a way, to, just, yeah, dude, you don't care about these people, you just care about yourself. Right, right. So the, the cases are the last thing that you're working about. You're always doing deals out there, working deals. Where are yeah. we going to go eat? What are we going to do? And who are we got to meet? And, and, and uh, we got a job to do for so-and-so. Making connections. Every whole job becomes yeah. everything except for the job. They killed the number of, uh, you know, they killed the driver for John Gotti, right? They pulled well, him over. If they, you're in a police car. would have never been pulled over right, if it right, wasn't right, by yeah, a cop. Exactly. Yeah, look right. at the, look at the, yeah, look at the, they, they do that scene in movies. Yeah. Well, there was, was the one deal. of the Departed. Where they pull the guy over, right. isn't it? Isn't it? There's yeah. a couple of times it's been done in movies now where the cops pull the guy over, just walk up and light him up. Yep. You know? Yeah. Hopefully, perfect, perfect cover. Hopefully that doesn't happen again. <laughs> no, hope no, not. no, definitely hope not. not. So when you released uh, this story, and then you mentioned that uh, he goes into the the store, uh, I bet you he got a heart on when he, when he saw this, because he was probably happy. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that he was getting this press. Of course. Good or bad, he's, you know, that, that type yeah, of person. Yeah, huge ego yeah, thing going did on. Did our there. internal affairs lock He's in the him movie Goodfellas, you know. Yeah, yeah, he's sitting by the bar. Yeah. But he, was he locked up by our internal affairs or by the FBI? Uh, Do you know who locked him up? The FBI. The FBI locked him up, I yeah. believe. It's, I mean, if you just think about the fact that he put himself in Goodfellas, because that must have been something he coordinated on his own. What are they doing? They're making oh, a movie was, over there? He was a very gregarious, outgoing guy, Louis yeah. Apolito. Very likable. Guy, you yeah. know, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, you can't Those hold it against him that he did murders. Well, <laughs> uh, but he was originally charged with just you know sharing some confidential information. Right. He he, uh, he he improved his game. 
Yeah, I guess so. I I wonder how much of that is just because. And Caracapa was a really nasty piece of business. The dry drunk, huh? He looks that like guy a dry was drunk. A, I had dealings with him when he ran. He became the head of security for the 14th Street Business Improvement District. Oh, good. When uh-huh. 14th Street was really uh, crappy. Yeah, yeah. And uh, no, he did a I great was, job, not for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> he did a great job. <laughs> he killed all the people. He wasn't good at being Street. a cop, but he sure fixed I, up 14th Street. I was looking into uh, to the Luchow fire. There was a famous building there that, that was torched. And I remember going to him, uh, tracking him down. Mm-hmm. And boy, oh, boy. He was, uh, a that's all I can say, prick, a nasty yeah. piece of business. And I recently ran into a guy at random bid at, uh, at some event. And he came over to me and he kind of was like, you know, I can't believe Caracapa, uh, what he became. He, he actually went out of his way to, he wasn't apologizing to me, but Just to, to make you. the point that, you know, I know you you wrote a lot about these people and you knew, you knew them. And mm-hmm. this guy worked for me. I had no idea. And it was an interesting conversation yeah. all these years later that it circled back on me. Oh uh, yeah, I wonder the dynamic between that those two people because you're saying one was Gregorius and the other guy was uh, real prickly. Yeah, probably. Uh, totally. You know, it sounds he was just looking at him. He looks like a dry drunk, like somebody who's just <laughs> nasty all he the was, freaking I, time. I, I like, thought he have a fucking drink. Uh, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Loosen up, Jesus Christ! Yeah, he was a tight piece of business. Obviously, he did his job very well for this for the uh, the uh, guy who ran the, uh, the business improvement district, but. He had no uh-huh. idea the guy was what what the guy's real story was. Well, interesting. So, um, how much investigating did you did? I mean, uh, that was obviously the initial one mm-hmm. where you made the paper, and then you 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 came back, you circled the wagons when new information came out. Yeah, that. sure. I got back involved in that story when it started like surfacing what the reality was. In fact, I, now that I think of it, I was the first guy to report that there were cops killing people. Wow! For the mob. And how did you hear about that? Uh, some source of mine who was <laughs> when you, organized when you crime a story like that out, right? That you, are you, getting, pipe a, case are you so. getting a call from the police commissioner himself? Yeah, so saying, no, I've had get guys that? get really pissed at me, sure. Yeah. The brass. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. They don't like nah. stories like that, right? No. Well, why, uh, is there no. a lot of, why didn't you run, past this, run this past me first? Uh, like, well, like I, for example, if you get into a relationship with the police commissioner... Uh, is it something like you feel like a commission? Just so you know, I, I got this information on these guys that are. I would tell the. I would tell. Listen, as a journalist, I always went to the people I was either writing about, or if it was it involved the police department, I would go and tell them what I'm publishing, mm-hmm. and give them an opportunity to respond or say whatever they want to say. You know, sometimes it. it uh, uh, I remember uh, when the Palm Sunday, remember the Palm Sunday yes. massacre, mm-hmm. right? There was like eight people killed, a little baby it's survived in, seven in Brooklyn. Five precinct. Yeah. 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 So I found out who the suspect was, and uh, I was at the Daily News at the time. And I told the police department that, hey, I know who the, the guy is. Here's mm-hmm. the guy's whole story. This is who, who, who's going to be charged. And they asked me not to report, not the story, the name? but don't put the name in the paper. Yeah, I don't want yet. the guy to know. And uh, this is interesting because the Daily News, I told them what the request was by, from the police commissioner. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was Bob McGuire. And the editor of the New York Daily News says, nah, we do, we're putting the guy's name in the story. And I was like, you know, what's the difference? You know, Billy Cannon, Murray Weiss, it's <laughs> a name right. to, a, right. to a reader. They don't know mm-hmm. who he is. We can write everything about him. Right. Um, but that's above my pay grade. And the police department, you know, fought back. And then eventually the uh, the editor said, no, we're going to run his name. So the police department were like, well, screw you. And they quickly announced we're going to hold a press conference tonight at 10 o'clock at 1 p.p. And they were going to give out the story mm-hmm. and screw the Daily News. And the editor of the New York Daily News, right before they they announced that they were going to do this, changed his mind. He says, okay, we'll, we won't put the name yeah. in the paper. <laughs> Smart but guy. by then... The police department mechanism was already rolling, screwed the Daily News. Mm -hmm. And so they had a press conference at about 10 or 11 o'clock at night saying, we've identified a suspect in the massacre. Took all the wind out of your story. Yeah, sure. 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 Yeah, well, that's that's something that would have changed right now because then the the, the police department would have said, screw you, and then the Daily News would have said, screw you, and then it would have been a story out in a minute. Oh, it would have been out in a minute. That's (laughs) right. That's very true. The the mechanics of uh, the screwing. Forget (laughs) to just start sweetening it out right now. You can't screw people the same way. No. I mean, think about (laughs) this era. Remember, you used to have to, you had the story on on your, uh, which brings me to this point, too. You know, the detectives use the, the, I guess this, the journalist, Little pads, 
Yeah. You ever see, sure, see, sure. see the ones that we use? Sure. And I have a friend, uh, Chris Italia. He owns the Stand Comedy Club, and he was actually a reporter prior, uh, prior to uh, getting involved in comedy and managing stuff. And he used to get so annoyed at the fact that I had these little reporter notebooks because oh, that's really? where I used to write my jokes. And he always used to take it out of my hand. He goes, you shouldn't have that. Those are for reporters. Oh, my God. And I was like, well, detectives use those, too. Sure. <laughs> That's crazy. So, um, That's funny. I forget what the point. I wanted to mention that about the, the books. Did you have those books, too? Sure. Stacks of them? Sure. I used oh, to have yeah. them, too. I still have them. Yeah? I still have them. Sure. Wow, what, what do you do with them? Because at I this point right now, they they're in a box in the basement. Because you're going back though. to like 1974. Yeah, there's a lot, and you of, can go a lot of handwritten books. notes, man. A lot of handwritten like, notes. Like, so well, with us, every book, uh, sometimes as the, on the way out. Material. Yeah, right. <laughs> on the way out, you used to grab a book for just for that particular case. Oh, I see. So this way oh, you, didn't have, cool. um, you didn't have a bunch of different cases all in that one he book. He had all his uh, girlfriend's names in that book. He didn't him. want that being Rosario. I should have done that, actually. But, <laughs> but I, So I'm wondering, I kept, like... I just kept writing sometimes. Because there's also a way to... Multiple uh, stories. And oh, you want to know about book. that case? It's all in this book, right? Yeah, yeah then you would go like You're that. a little more organized. Well, I just saw somebody else doing it, so I started doing it too. But mostly mine was just jokes anyway. The only reason why I had to grab a new one is because I didn't So I didn't want to put the, the, the crime stuff in my joke book. Because oh, then it would it would mess things up. Let's see, you know, in court, <laughs> like two guys, some, go, two, some, two Jews go into a bar. <laughs> I had some people who thought my stories were jokes. Uh, yeah, so yeah. They start off some way, yeah. sometime that way. So um, now, uh, tell us about the books. The first book that you wrote is a. Uh, was um, it? I wrote mean, a book uh, about like the history of Palm Beach, Florida. That was the first book. Yeah. Oh, I thought that was the second. The man who won won the America. America was my second. Oh, that was your second. Well, one. Uh, yeah. since oh. you brought that up, my mother lives out. Uh, she does. She lives in Fort Lauderdale, but she does shows in. Hi, Ma. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she does shows in Palm Beach uh, for for her business. Uh, how did you come to That's write that one? Book. The post sent me down to. Um, with, uh, there was word that there was a rape at the Kennedy compound in Palm Beach. Yes. Okay. That, and that turned into like an O.J. Simpson-sized story. That was right. before wow. O.J. But it was an enormous oh, is that story. With the, uh, he was Kennedy's cousin, though, right? He was yeah, a grandson guy, of the right? president. Wasn't it the big okay. guy? He was a, he was, what was his name? Yeah, the William Kennedy the Smith. Was yeah, I remember name. him. He became a doctor. And didn't he even think about the, when he was a kid, he raped a girl or something like there that? There were allegations that he had done similar things in the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember it was by a tree or something. I remember that. Yeah. And what was Ted was knocking down his scotch during this was happening? Yeah. He was there, right? It was over uh, um, Easter. It was around Easter. He had a history of, of violence so as a child. Yes. Well, as, a, as against women. Yeah. Jumping yeah. women. And he was with his, he was with his famous his uncle, senator, yeah. uncle. You said he's a doctor uh, now? Yeah, yeah, he's an MD. Yeah. yeah. He was in Chicago. But anyway, so they sent me down mm -hmm. when there was word of it. And I got there. I grabbed the plane and I went down. I'd never been to Palm Beach, and I went down there. Did you think it was like racist or something? Why does a Jew got to go to Florida? <laughs> right? The middle of winter. What's up? I, why me? I'm the only one. My parents were, were, my were, parents were in Florida. That's the ground ball that trip to go to Florida. He must have been funny. so happy. What time I, of the year was it? It was probably in the summer, it right? Was, it was April. It was around oh, April. Oh, man. That's a nice time around to go to Florida. No, that's great. It was great, warm. Great. Yeah. But uh, warm. if you had to go in August, you would have probably oh, been pissed. <laughs> I, you know, I go where the story is. Uh, you know so what I'm saying? All right. Uh, so you're in, you got to see your folks? I, yeah, at different times, yeah. I uh, and you I started the story then. But I went down, yeah, I, was, I got there, like, I grabbed the last plane out of New York, and I landed, and I took a cab to Palm Beach. Where do I go? Where do I stay? The guy said, you should go to the Brazilian court. I stayed there, and a Kennedy overdosed in, that, uh, no in, in the Brazilian court. One, uh, Robert Kennedy's son wow. overdosed in that place. One of his sons. So... You didn't ask for anyway. that room, did you? No. <laughs> no. Yeah, well, I would no, experience I that room. I went to Kennedy room. <laughs> I didn't know that at the time. I didn't know that at the time. So I was in this sultry place. And anyway, I wound up spending, uh, luckily for me, I did really, really, really great reporting on it. And I, we, were, we were way out in front, the post. We were way out in front. And I had a, it was an amazing story, uh, amazing experiences mm -hmm. for me. And when it was over, which was about, it took about a year, that story, on and off. And um, a publisher approached me. Oh, do you wow. want to do a story on that case? And I said, I don't really want to do a thing on that case. The case is over. You know, mm -hmm. it is what it is. Right. A lot of it's been reported. But I said, I had this sense that um, this is such a, 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 a secret enclave full of wealthy it's people. It's a scene down there. And yeah. yeah, and it's its own universe. Mm -hmm. and, 
And the people who were there are both wealthy, some of them are scoundrels, obviously, some of them are this said, but some of them were, you know, the the the, the brightest minds and the wealthiest people. Got his uh, massage yeah. down. In, he, yeah. he actually hey, in that in, <laughs> in Palm Beach County. Yeah. In Palm Beach. That's County. his name, right? Craft? Yeah, Craft. Craft's a billionaire. He goes for a twenty-five dollar rub and tuck. Hey, to rub, each come on, you become a billionaire by wasting a lot of money on rub and tugs. There you go. What am I going to pay for? That's all it cost is twenty-five. How much is a rub and tug over here? Oh, oi, fifty bucks? No way. I could go over here for twenty. Think of what that money makes over time. You think he negotiated that twenty-five dollars? That's funny. Yeah, you don't but, you don't get become a millionaire by overpaying for billionaire. anything. He's a billionaire. Billionaire by overpaying for anything. <laughs> so you're in Florida and you're covering this story. Right. You don't realize that you're sitting on your first book at the time there? No. It's just something no. that somebody else sparked up an interest. They, yeah, they approached me to do the trial and I suggested, you know, this place has been here like a hundred years. Yeah. And I had a sense that, you know, if you went back in time twenty years, mm-hmm. you know. There'd be another scandal, yeah. but different kind of rich people, different kind of industrialists, uh-huh. different era. If you go back 50 years Same or thing. even 100 years to the guy who founded it, which was uh, Flagler, um, there'd be fantastic characters, fantastic people. And the, the wealthiest and most important people mm-hmm. in the country had homes in Palm Beach going back to... You know, the, the Vanderbilt. Yeah, the so, hookup too. You had your folks so, there. So when you were writing yeah, the so book, I had a place to stay. I need you to talk to my son, Murray. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know that guy from over there, right? I was too busy trying to have a little more fun. You, you, hang your out dad wasn't delivering papers down there anymore, no, right? No, I don't no, deliver no. papers we played anymore. Some, we played golf together. Oh, but anyway, nice. so I, we, I, I enlisted a, a colleague of mine who was sent down also to work on that case with me, and we produced Palm Beach Babylon. Wow. It's a great read. It's a, I want to check it out. The whole history of the place, fantastic. Was that, that a big like seller, a, the book? Actually. Was the book a big seller? Yeah, it did really I well. Would I would imagine, been. yeah, because they're, really well. they're all sitting there at Palm Beach reading it. Some uh, people, Because you could reference people that you knew probably, right? just bought the rights to it to yeah, try to turn like it into a TV thing. Yeah, that sounds actually. like a great, you're going to be, I want to hang out with you. We're going to better places now. But then, my other one, the 9-11 was a 9-11 book. Yeah, that was, I thought that one was your first book. Tell us about that one. That's a completely different experience. And that's kind of interesting how that came down. You know, Bernie Carrick was the police commissioner and he was doing a book with Judith Regan who had her own imprint at HarperCollins. And John O'Neill, who was the head of the, FBI's National Security Division had just, he, he, he was missing in the towers after they collapsed. And it was written up in the newspapers that missing in the towers was a guy named John O'Neill. He was the head of counterterrorism and counterintelligence and national security director for the FBI. He just retired. Wow, he took a job at the, uh, as a director of security right. at the Port Authority. At he, the wasn't World Trade the one Center. that said, told everyone to stay put? No, no, oh, no. he no, wasn't the one that no, did that. No, 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 not at all. Okay. But what he was was the leading expert in this country about Osama bin Laden. Mm-hmm. And it spent the last six years around, in the country right? chasing him around the world with wow. teams of counter, counterterrorism guys. He investigated every, mm-hmm. uh, every terrorist event that involved Americans anywhere in the world. So he was, he was at the tip of the spear and he knew the great threat was bin Laden. And uh, nobody knew all of this about him, nor did I. And he was a friend of mine. And we actually knew each other. Mm-hmm. Hung out, we drank a little bit, uh, more than a little bit. But, uh, like a martini straight up, one hour. <laughs> he was a scotch guy. He was a scotch guy <laughs> oh, with a, a twist. Scotch guy. A lemon twist. But lemon twist. So, a martini. So it was in the newspapers that this guy was missing in the towers. And Judith Regan was doing a book with Carrick. And as we later knew that they were having a affair, yeah. yeah, they were a little more than just doing a book together. So she saw her genius was that she saw there was an arc of, the, of a possible book, mm-hmm. and she was very successful, enormously successful, mm-hmm. and an interesting woman. She um, asked Bernie, "Hey, you know this guy?" And and Bernie told him, "This this guy's a real deal." Mm-hmm. And then she asked him, "Do you know anybody that I might approach to write a book about him?" And he said, you should call me. Mm-hmm. And she rang me. <clears throat> and he said, you know, I knew stuff. I know the FBI. I know mm-hmm. a lot of people there. I know a lot about terrorism, et cetera, et cetera. And so she rang me. I met her twice. I didn't have to write a word. We, had a, we made it a, a deal. And for the next, like, year, year and a half, Did you try I to worked find on that book. Money back? Pardon me? She tried to find you to get the money back? No, on the contrary. <laughs> Where is this guy? Yeah. He gave him all this money. She was not seen him in a year and a half. No, it, it, it turned into an enormous challenge. He's doing Palm Beach Part 2. Yeah, right, right. 
Come find me. Uh, and I blew out all my free time. Plus, yeah, I was wondering about that because you're still a full-time reporter, right? Anybody uh, let me tell book? you, the editor of the New York Post, when I told him about it. He wasn't he, happy, he, right? He didn't want me. He said, I don't, he was, uh, he was, he'd made most of his claim to fame in Australia. Oh, I remember him. He, what was he his name? Colin Allen. Oh, no, that was. Tremendous the journalist, the guy. But he, uh, he uh, said he had guys in Australia and women go off to write books and they left their beats. And I was a criminal justice editor of the Post, and right. he was like, you know, I'll let you do this, but don't forget what your day job is. Uh-huh. And truthfully, I probably did more stories that year for the New York Post and broke more stories that year than any year I worked there. Well, just, I was your book because just I, to prove yeah, that, that, you, you were, uh, that I wasn't shirking my duties for the paper. Uh-huh. But I spent every evening and every weekend for literally over a year to a year and uh-huh. a half interviewing FBI people, mm-hmm. which wasn't, it was, I recreated a human being's life where mm-hmm. there was no public record. You know, if I do your story, Billy, you're alive. You can talk to me. Right, exactly. So you can tell me the story. This, uh, you know, I recreated, and plus it had bin Laden. And uh, Was there a lot of top secret info that they didn't want to talk to you about? Yeah, but I got a lot of cooperation in the end from a lot of people. <clears throat> and it was, a, it was an enormous reporting challenge, actually. Mm-hmm. It was multi-layered. What is, um, and he was a very complicated man. Mm-hmm. Who's that? The John O'Neill. John O'Neill. Had yeah. a very complicated personal life. He was an interesting, he wasn't a cookie cutter kind of character. Was he a military background? No. No, no. on the contrary. And, I, and he was, but he was a super patriot, wow. actually. Law degree? No. One of those FBI guys no. law degrees, no. too. He no, he grew up in Atlantic City. His parents drove a cab. Wow. He just, he watched Efren Zimbel as junior on TV as a kid and always wanted to <laughs> be in the bureau. Yeah, yeah, the FBI. Yeah, that was a great show. And uh, he, show. Lived, uh, he lived quite a life. And you know, Was that a, a, a good selling book too? Yes. That was a bestseller. Yes. Uh, it, yeah, it got on the New York Times bestselling list. Yeah, Excellent. actually. I was very proud of it because it was, it was an enormous challenge. And I was proud to do it actually because yeah. he deserved it. A real patriot, as you said. Yeah, and it was a testimonial to him. I mean, he deserved it. It was. Mm-hmm. I didn't make stuff up to make him look good. Mm-hmm. How and long? And there were warts and all. Yeah. It took a year and a half. Year and a half before it came out. Yeah. You know, it's funny. We all are nine eleven responders, and when you think of that now, it seems almost surreal that that happened. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. coming up on twenty years. Mm-hmm. I guess, right? It just seems. Wow. Yeah, twenty years coming. Yeah, yeah. pretty soon. What is? Um, <clears throat> Since I have you here, and if there's anybody out there thinking about journalism, what is it like a, the day of a, of a reporter? Like a, the ideal day of like your, your, your goal as a reporter should obviously be to be somebody at your level at some point. In the beginning, I would imagine you got to go in at a certain time sure. to an office. Sure. But after a little while, nobody's... I ran a bureau of reporters. So, many, okay. Many so you had a regular on the clock come in at a certain time and... Pretty much. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, you listen, everybody's different. I can't, uh, for me, you know, it was, uh, I'm a very fortunate man. I mean, you know, that old saying, if you come to work and... Uh, you love what you do. You love what you do. Yeah. You, you, you never work a day in your life. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I worked hard. Confucius said that. Yeah. <laughs> I worked pretty hard. But, uh, you know, it was, it was a joy. It was a challenge. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Writing, uh, you know, the first draft of history and, and uncovering so, the truths for the public to know what's going on. If you're listening it's out there honor. and you and you want to be a reporter, uh, obviously you need college. A philosophy degree <laughs> would help. Degree. I don't know about <laughs> that. Queens College. <laughs> uh, really, I don't know if uh, Emmanuel Kant's ideas of aesthetics <laughs> is not necessarily... I just want to ask him some money. Ahead, yeah. you, you, we all... Um, the relationship uh, with police... And basically, the government and the way people see police has changed. Like you can see, i.e., New York police having water poured on them, <clears> the disrespect we're seeing for police, <clears> not just in New York, but nationally. <clears throat> do you, from your point of view as a journalist, do you see there being almost like a war on police in this country? Oh, I think that, yeah, I think there's, I think there's a lot of people who have tremendous dislike of the police. Very, do you think very, it's an organized front? Very, I think it's not the way it was at one time, where the, when the BLA was running mm-hmm. around, Black Liberation Army, mm-hmm. the Weather Underground, even the FALN. But I think those are uh, civilian groups. You don't think there's an orchestrated move to, by government? Oh, this is a very complicated mm-hmm. uh, question. All right, it's a complicated yeah, it's answer. No answer so let me. Yeah, let, but we let got me, we got three minutes left. We do. So. Uh, <laughs> we got just well, that's not a lot. But <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I will say this, uh, starting out, that 
and I've said this for a long time, if you were in the police business in 20, 30 years ago when crime was enormous mm -hmm. and you asked the police, hey, can you imagine living at a time when there's only 280 murders in New York City and there's this, the crime levels are at this level? Police officer would say, that's uh, police nirvana. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You had 2,000 homicides, now you got 280. And you, so you would think that the police would be happy people. Mm -hmm. And you think the public would be happy with them. Right. But yeah. the opposite happened, is yeah. the case yeah. in a lot of ways. And so to dissect how that, that why that exists over time, is it, it, the dynamic of how that happened is, is, is tragic, actually. And it's sad. Where I think I think there's I think there's government people who have a tremendous disaffection for the criminal justice mm -hmm. system. I think they they there are they see the ills. Um, they don't see the progress, maybe. And I don't blame them for wanting to change things instantaneously. You know, you want to wave a magic wand and and make things better. And 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 um, uh, my mom was uh, I lost my family in the Holocaust. You know. So you'd hope that the world changes and those sorts of things don't happen mm -hmm. uh, and that everybody loves everybody, but it's, you know, it's, it's not a reality. So for people to, to, to uh, I, think, I think people, I think people, the race issue in this country is a lot better than it was. Is there still places to go mm -hmm. where it's better? But there's lingering issues. There's a new generation of people who want things to be decidedly different. Mm -hmm. um, and it's created issues for the police. It's created issues for the criminal justice system. There's some disaffection. And it's, uh, you know, it's, everything's a work in progress, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But I think there is government thought about change and stuff. I think there's people on the streets. We had an incident the, uh, this past weekend where somebody tried assassinating police officers yeah. a couple that of years happened, ago. Um, it's happened several times. Turns out it was the same guy, but there was a moment there. I mean, obviously, it's still scary, and, and I don't know how these guys are doing it right now, the cops on the street, but there was a moment there where we they didn't identify it, so you thought it was two separate incidents. Right. Yeah. So now you had one guy going mm -hmm. up to a police car and try, attempted to assassinate the, the officer sitting in the car, and then you had a guy running into the precinct. Um, and letting rounds go there. And it turns out it was one and the same person. So now there's almost like, a, okay, it was mental illness. He was crazy. He was a career criminal. Maybe there's really not this threat. There's a vigilante group out there who's out to uh, create distrust amongst the police and, and create anarchy. Um, but I, for some reason, I can't help thinking that there is some type of unified front trying to create anarchy. And uh, create this distrust for the police, where a new type of government can come in. Now, uh, don't quote me on that, Murray. But well, <laughs> you're on the record now. Well, you know the, the, the police obviously are an agent of the government. But when one part of the government seems to be spewing forth rhetoric, anti-police rhetoric, mm -hmm. it really is damaging mm -hmm. to the police and them doing their job. And like they talk about, words matter. You know, the whole uh, Antifa fuck the police. You know. Mm -hmm. uh, that has to be stopped. That, you, they can't put up with that. Well, know? I don't know if you can stop it, but... Uh, well, they can protest, you, but they don't, they don't have the right to destroy you, the subway station, you know? No, there are, we are a country the, of laws. Uh, think yeah. of the integrity issue, because we're running out of time here, and there's something I wanted to ask you. Um, let's say something like this is off the record. There was a big deal made uh, last week. They were having the, uh, the, the press... Uh, the, the press breakfast or something like that, whether they invite the press and you get to sit down with the president. And the big problem there was, uh, there was that was always off the record. Um, anything that was said there or there was a moment there, okay, this is going to be off the record so everybody can eat and hang out and be free and not worry. And then we had reporters coming out of there and reporting stuff that was being said in the off-the-record luncheon. Talk about integrity as a journalist. How do you fall in there? How do you feel about that? <clears throat> well, I... I don't know the specific incident you're referring to, but um, I, I think it's a. I what think I did was I, I combined six different yeah, things that happened. <laughs> you did. <laughs> no, no, there was an incident with Pompeo where he yelled at a reporter after yeah, after being interviewed. Um, I th the president I th had a luncheon the other day, and it was for the press. I think One we're talking guy was excluded. Uh, it, a he, CNN guy was excluded. Uh, right. Uh, he wasn't allowed to go, and he was there for twenty years in a row. And um, 
I think excluding press from press events is not a good thing. It's not a healthy thing for the country. It's not a healthy thing for the public. It wasn't invited. Let's put it that way. you got to have an invitation. Then, you know, reporters have to stick together. They all shouldn't go, to be honest with you, or something like that. That's an interesting take on that. And the president gets paid by the people of this country, you know. Mm -hmm. He's an elected official, and he has responsibilities to uh, public service. Mm -hmm. It's... Can't just you, you know. You guys got Arby's. You can't pretend. I, I put out Arby's for <laughs> you the can't, yeah. Yeah. Hamburgers <laughs> and all that. You guys don't get it. <laughs> well, yeah, you don't yeah, get yeah. the big Burger King yeah. dinners. You get Arby's. Yeah, ask a serious question. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a pay, you know. Somebody once said it ain't journalism if it ain't catered. So, oh, uh, that's funny. I like but, that. But um, <laughs> but I, I you know Do you, I, like if somebody says it's off the record, you're it, from the old school, I, right? I I am too, I am, and actually you know if you give it you know you give an interview, somebody gives you an interview, you can ask them a question. You ask them a question. You hoist them on their own. They answer the question. You don't fight with the guy. The mayor's the mayor or the president's brother. Here's the question. You can look like a fool answering it. It's on television and, it's and a you let time, it go. Though, I think politically because everybody it, has to stick their two cents into how the what side a trima- on. It's a trima- yeah, yeah. You know, I, you know, I'm a little more old school, and I'm not saying that. If, if I, I have I done interviews and people yelled at me afterwards, you know, there's a, yeah. after one, there was a massive bombing downtown. In, Tell me, in I'll punch him right in the face. <laughs> and I got, I got a big scoop that all these radical uh, terrorists were united. Um, police officers were injured at police headquarters. And uh, I broke the story that the Weather Underground, the BLA, and the mm-hmm. FLM were all working together as page mm-hmm. one. And the police commissioner had a press conference in his office. It was, it was such a big story. And uh, there was a lot of press there. And he came over to me, the police commissioner. And, you know, as you, as you, as you, guys, are, <laughs> as you, as you guys have pointed out, I'm not, a, I'm not a tall man. <laughs> so he came over to me and he says, hey, Murray, uh, you know, where'd you get this story? Uh-huh. And, uh, and I had, there was a little sidebar about the Joint Terrorist Task Force and how it was created over in a, in a Chinese restaurant over fried dumplings. Yeah. And he's like, and where did you get this this, this stuff about fried dumplings? Mm-hmm. And the head of the FBI came up around him, mm-hmm. and he put his finger in my face like a gun almost. Good. And he had a big hand. He had a big hand. And he, and he said to him, I'll tell you where he got the story. He made it up, the little shit. He made it up. <laughs> now, I didn't. And I was looking at him like, oh, he's the guy that gave me the fried dumpling anecdote, to be honest with you. Uh, oh, really? All these years later. Yeah, yeah, he was the guy that told me that. Maybe he was trying to take but the guy off the, tr- he, the track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but he, you know, he accused me of whatever and publicly, and the police commissioner was really upset that that story was out. Yeah. And uh, I didn't like the next day write a story. Saying, oh, I got called a little shit yeah. by the head of the FBI. Right, right, exactly. You know, the press well, conference was over, and the guy acted out. And well, with the, the dumpling, they said supposedly Jack Maple wrote the Comstat plan got on a napkin in the lane. Yeah. So the, you know, There's a lot of truth to that. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of truth to that, I believe. What did Jack Maple yeah, think? But, you know, most of the best ideas <laughs> come to you in the middle of uh, something else. It's not like you're going to sit down at your table and just go, okay, now all my ideas come to me now. And then, you know, it's usually you got to go, you're in the course of your business. That's why a comic is always writing stuff down. And as soon as it comes to you, I'm sure the same question, you have questions you want to ask um, for reporting. You got to take advantage uh, of your I wish I wrote down all my uh, stuff I heard. Sometimes before, yeah, you before I, uh, while I was drinking, I forgot a lot of great <laughs> you stories. You know, I, I write stuff down, like, you know, because you don't want to miss out on the jokes. So, so usually, like, right before you're going to fall asleep, talk about being in a drunken stupor. And then you get stuff like this. No, I'm kidding. I wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Keith Richards once said he, he, he woke up in the middle of the night and he had the, the, the riff for satisfaction. Yes, yeah, I, I, and he I said he wrote it down. Uh, and he yeah. said if he didn't write it down, no, he went back to sleep. No, he recorded it on a little recorder and he just right. passed out again. Uh-huh. And he played it in the morning and like, oh, oh, shit, that's a pretty good riff. <laughs> yeah, that iconic song. Yeah, 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 I read his great. book. Yeah, great. I remember yeah, that was great. great. Yeah, it was a great story. Well, Murray, man, I hate saying this, man, but we've come to the end here, man. Before you go... Let's plug the books one more time. Uh, oh, plug your uh, books. The Man Who book. Warned America. Okay. It's the 9-11 book. And Palm Beach Babylon is the right. book about the whole history. And of course, it's CBS Jazz. Tell us about 48 hours. When does that air? What uh, time? Every Saturday night at 10 o'clock. Saturday night, 10 o'clock. That's been an experience for me to a whole new medium, working with unbelievable. I, I had no idea what uh, goes into Producing making a television a show. show. It's yeah. amazing. I'm where I'm fortunate to work with, not because I'm working there and mm-hmm. saying this. Just an amazing skill set level of national talent. It's really something. 
And how does it all? It's been great for me. How does it come together? Like um, you, you're in the centralized office, and the reporters are out there. Oh, they look for stories all over the country. That uh-huh. was my. Uh, and then they here. come back to you with ideas yeah, when, and stuff. When the uh, the woman who brought me over there, Susan Zarinsky, is not ahead of CBS News, and she said, "You know, Murray, we don't have to just do stories in New York area. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, we go across the country." So I said, to her, "I'll tell you, if this works out, Susan, you're going to take a map of the United States and put pins." where Murray found stories, uh-huh. and somebody's going to figure out that each of those pins is within a half a mile of a famous golf course. <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure. I mean, that's a great story. Like, yeah. Now, do you somewhat have to reinvestigate? She said, oh, we do a lot. Me, would be guys a do golfing. <laughs> she said guys do Bill golfing. Bill and I would be a comedy club. <laughs> do, do you have to, like, somewhat reinvestigate the murders? Yeah. And go it's a, you know what makes people? it? I'll give you a very simple thing that why it's so difficult. I can interview you about a story as a, as a reporter, mm-hmm. and if I feel comfortable that I have all the facts, maybe I make some more phone calls, you say it's a newspaper, even DNA Info, <clears throat> um, where, you know, eventually we do video and stuff mm-hmm. in the digital world, and I learned to do that. But fundamentally, you read a story, and there's one photograph. There's a picture of you or mm-hmm. a picture of a victim or whatever, mm-hmm. but then you read the words. Mm-hmm. Television, you're watching something every split second. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Every split second. And to create that, A, you need to interview people mm-hmm. who will talk to you. Right. So there's no anonymous source here. You actually need you need images yeah. that support every word that is written. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. They show, like you the, they show you the picture that you just talked about. They show you Correct. a chunk of the words. Then you mix it's, it with the interviews. Then it's, it's back to that picture. It's, 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 if, you lose a, if you lose a viewer for a second or two... Mm-hmm. They're gone. The channel, yeah. So yeah, they're yeah. looking at something, yeah. and they're yeah. listening to you things, and, and the coordination of all that is, is that why you were an amazing a project. On <laughs> <laughs> well, I was in some of the shows. We're, we're getting the, the wrap-up sign here, man. Uh, first of all, I just want to say Speedo that, is not my look. <laughs> no, huh? <laughs> I had you more, as a, golf more of a brief type of guy. The type brief ones. Let's stick to the script. Let's keep let's keep it above the waist. Yeah, well, you started we this, though. We were almost down beautifully. Yeah, but almost, the dismount counts, man. Get dirty here. But uh, yeah, definitely tune in Saturday night, 10 p.m. 48 hours. Um, Murray, it was such a pleasure. I mean, I this is this. Has I been wish an I would have met him when I was still on the job. Thank you, know? you so much. Yeah, thank I would have went drinking with him at a lanes. Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> I wish I knew you were on the job too. But I'm another not, source. I might have a martini tonight. <laughs> on you, you're thinking about you. And uh, you're always welcome to come back. I don't know if they told you about the shindig that we're having on the 16th, but we definitely love to have you there. Okay, uh, I can. Yeah, I'll be yeah there. you come come down, bring the book, get in for free. <laughs> That's what you do. You just bring the book. Yeah, Is that all I need? Yeah, yeah. That's, okay. The way we used to tin our way in, you just show the reporter book, right? Press card doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, so on behalf of Police Officer Cup, man, this has been great. Bill, any parting words? It's great to meet Murray. He, I, yeah, I, yeah. We're going to places, go over man. some of the uh, great stories that uh, have been part of New York City history. And I met the guy who invented uh, rough sex. Yeah, at least the term rough. Good luck. Good luck. We didn't get there. I didn't. I didn't invent that word. Oh, okay. I introduced it. Oh, okay. what gridlock? Yeah, yeah, yeah. During the, transit, during the transit, during the transit strike. Uh huh. Yeah. I, I want to find out who uh, you didn't do rubbernecking, did you? I love no. that one. Rubbernecking. No. Those are my cartoon. Have you seen that? In the cartoon, they're rubbernecking, and you see the the, the neck come out of the car like that. <laughs> Those are my. All right. Thanks a lot, man. This was great. We could go on forever. Thank you.